God is waiting to spend time with you. Let's lean into His presence and hear His voice. Welcome to 5 Minutes with the Father. Hello, my name is Nick and I hope you are doing well today. What we're doing right now is we're continuing our journey of looking through the three 16 passages of the New Testament. And I've really been enjoying this journey of soaking in the truths that are available to all of us through them. I hope that this has been a blessing to you too. And today we're up to the book of Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16. Um, What I'm going to do is actually talk about the overall context of what's being said in this passage because there's actually a lot in it. It's quite a big concept And if we just read the passage, Hebrews 3.16, on its own, it won't make sense. And so I'm just going to talk about it, and uh, and, and I really believe that it's a truth that's relevant to us uh, today and every day. And uh, basically, it's talking about uh, this concept of entering into God's rest, and uh, it's using the example of the Israelites when they were led out of Egypt from slavery. Um, But let me go back to the beginning of chapter 3, starting in verse 3. In that verse, it's actually talking about um, Moses here. It's talking about how Jesus is better than Moses. He's greater than Moses. And uh, basically, um, with the point of saying that Jesus is superior, and that's been the, the the, the gist of Hebrews so far is that he's superior to angels. He's superior to everything, including Moses. Um, it says that, you know, Jesus is worthy to receive a, a much greater glory than Moses. He's the one that's worthy of our worship and our adoration because he is the one who has actually built the church. He's the one that's actually made it possible for us to have a relationship with God in the first place. Moses, I mean, is someone to be respected and looked up to, obviously, as a man of faith and did an incredible job leading the Israelite people, but he's not, um, he's not superior to Jesus is what he's talking about. Um, So let's skip down to verse five now of Hebrews three. It says, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Indeed, Moses served God faithfully in all he gave him to do. His work prophetically illustrates things that would later be spoken and fulfilled. But Christ is more than a servant. He was faithful as the son in charge of God's house. And then this is a beautiful promise. Look at this. In verse uh, 6, this is, And now we, you and I, are part of this his house if we continue courageously to hold firmly to our bold confidence and our victorious hope. Now, that, that confidence and that victorious hope comes from the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It comes from the good news of the gospel. We hold on to the hope of who Jesus is and the promises that are available to us because of who Jesus is and what he's done. And then we, we get into this example of the Israelites um, because what we see from them is an example of what not to do, sadly. So now we're up to verse 7 of Hebrews 3. It says, this is why the Holy Spirit says, and then, he, and then it quotes uh, Psalm 95. If only you would listen to his voice this day. Don't make him angry by hardening your hearts like your ancestors did during the days of their rebellion when they, tested, when they were tested in the wilderness. It's an interesting concept that. Um, what, what he's saying here is um, listen to God, listen to his voice, don't do what the Israelites did. Um, they tested God. They they didn't listen to him. They hardened their hearts. They were stubborn. 
It says in verse 9, There your fathers tested me and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years, they still doubted me. This ignited my anger with that generation, and I said about them, they wander in their hearts, just like they do with their feet, and they refuse to learn my ways. My heart grieved over them, so I decreed they will never enter into the calming rest of my spirit. Let's unpack this for a second. So go right back to the beginning of time. God created the world. He created Adam and Eve, and he put Adam and Eve in the garden. And in in the garden of Eden, he enjoyed pure fellowship and intimacy. God and humanity was exactly where things were created to be. Adam and Eve lived in a place of rest because they had oneness with God. They believed who he was. There was no doubt. There was no unbelief in their lives because sin hadn't entered the world. Of course, we know that changed and they ate the fruit and that ruined things. That actually disrupted the relationship that God had created us to be in with him. And so that's why we we skip forward. God makes a promise to Abraham that he would have many descendants and that would become a nation that God would raise up to bring a blessing to the rest of the world, which was through Jesus. So God made that promise to Abraham a long time after Adam and Eve. Over 400 years later, those descendants are now numbering in the millions and they're stuck in slavery in Egypt. And God miraculously sets them free by raising up Moses to come and to lead his people, his chosen people out of Egypt into a land that he'd chosen for them, a promised land. And that promised land we now know as uh, modern-day Israel, it was known as the land of Canaan back then, that's actually representative of God leading his people to a place of rest. And that rest is like God living in fellowship with his people in the Garden of Eden once again. That's what the Israelites going into Canaan was representing. And so there was this beautiful picture here of what God was aiming to do, and that was to lead his people out. And he did that. He did that in a miraculous way. He led them out of Egypt by um, sending the plagues upon the Egyptians. And then when they finally agree to set them free, they're trapped by the Red Sea. But of course, that's not a surprise to God. God supernaturally parts the Red Sea so that they can go through it. And he cut... He, He destroys the Egyptian army when they chase after them. So he does an incredible miracle there. Then in the wilderness, they didn't have any food to eat. They didn't have any water to drink. So he supernaturally provided manna, heavenly bread to feed them every day. And quail would fly in so that they had meat to eat too. And Moses would strike the rock and water came out of the rock. So they had fresh water to drink. And so what we see here is we see over a period of 40 years, God supernaturally providing for his people because he's pursuing them, because he wants relationship and intimacy with them. And we have this beautiful picture of that. But the the Israelite people rejected it. They kept falling back into unbelief. They didn't accept that God was who he was. They didn't believe in his promises. They didn't believe that he was faithful. And so they kept falling into unbelief. They kept turning away from him and wanting to go back to their old life in Egypt. And God said after that happening constantly, he's like, nope, I'm, these people aren't going to enter my rest because they are just too full of unbelief. 
And so God says every single person over the age of 20 was going to die in the wilderness over a period of 40 years with the exception of two people, and that was Joshua and Caleb. That was because they did have faith. They did have relationship with God. Joshua was known as someone who lingered. He lingered in the presence of God in the tabernacle. When when Moses would come out, Joshua would hang around because he wanted relationship with God. And God valued that about Joshua and Caleb as well. And it was that relationship, it was that intimacy with God that I believe allowed them to have faith. Because I really believe that intimacy with God and 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 depth in our relationship with him, it deals with unbelief in our lives. And look, I'll be the first to admit, I still have struggles with fear. I still have struggles with doubt. I still wrestle with unbelief way too often in my life, way more than I wish I did. And I don't like that. But I do know that the more I get to know God, the more I get to know his faithfulness, the more I get to know his nature and his love for me, and the fact that he is someone that can be trusted the more and more he uses that to chip away at the unbelief. And so what what is being talked about here is we have this invitation to enter into this place of intimacy with God or basically going back to that intimacy that existed in the Garden of Eden. And that's what's being described here as this place of rest. Of course, rest refers to uh, heaven and eternity as well. And I don't want to downplay that because that's that's significant. Our eternal existence is going to far outweigh our earthly existence. We're but a vapor here. And these, these things we go through on this earth are going to pale in significance compared to what we go through in eternity. But we get to enter that place of rest now because he is pursuing us. And, and we just get to receive that gift by faith. We get to accept that he is who he says he is, that his promises are yes and amen, that his character is yes and amen, that his nature is yes and amen. And so then what we what we have here is we get to verse 14 of Hebrews 3, and it says, well, first it talks about encouraging each other to not give in to the sin and deceitfulness of, of unbelief. But then it says in verse 14, for we are mingled with the Messiah. We are intertwined with the Messiah when we're in Christ. And then it says, if we will continue unshaken in this confident assurance from the beginning until the end. So if we hold on to that hope of who Jesus is, what he's done, and the promises he's made, we're mingled with him and he will He will do an amazing work in our hearts, deal with the unbelief, and we can live from a place of rest, of relationship, of intimacy with God. And so as a result, we won't have to miss out on entering into the rest like the Israelites did in the wilderness. We get to look on, look back on them as an example, and it's, it's tragic and it's sad, but we are blessed to have that example of what not to do so that we can go to God and say, God, I want to follow you. I want intimacy with you. I want to enter that place of rest. Show me how to live from a place of rest. And so that's what um, that's what Hebrews 3.16 is about. It's about the, the concept of unbelief and rest. And so my encouragement to you is hold on to the hope that Jesus gives us. Go deeper with him. Go deeper in our in your walk with him. Push into him more because he is pursuing you. He's pursuing me. He's pursuing all of us. 
And and the challenge I would like to offer you in this time as well is to go to him and say, is there any area of unbelief in my life that I am allowing to get in the way of our relationship that is allowing my heart to become hardened? So it's, it's preventing me from accessing the fullness of the rest that you've created me for me, God. Maybe spend some time just allowing him to reveal that and then surrender that to him, give it to him, offer it to him in, in repentance as a sacrifice for him to, to deal with and to, to change because he, he does that. He's so gracious to us. I hope that all makes sense. It's a big concept today, um, but it's an amazing concept and it's a beautiful invitation and reminder that we have available to us. So that's Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16. I've basically touched on Hebrews 3 and the beginning part of chapter 4 there. I'd encourage you to go read it for yourself if you'd like to go deeper with this. But I will leave that with you to soak on and to reflect on and to go spend time with the Father um, meditating on as well. So thank you for joining me today. Um, I hope this has blessed you. Have an amazing day. I will talk to you again soon.